This week on So Many Sequels, we're talking about The Dark Knight. Released in 2008, Christian Bale returns as Batman to face off with Heath Ledger's Oscar-winning performance as the Joker. The Dark Knight arguably changed the way audiences and Hollywood look at superhero movies and went on to become one of the highest-grossing films of all time. Everybody, you're listening to so many sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. Five stars, boys. Doing it right now. Don't even care. Oh my gosh. Just let, it, star let hotel? it fly. Well, I'm going to raise you six stars. It's not possible. That's not how our rating system works. Well, Tusky shit's wrong. Whoa. He's jumping. Wow. Uh. Okay, I guess because you rated it, let's go ahead and guess the Rotten Tomatoes score. No, we'll save that. No, we're not going to do that. Um, last week we talked about Batman Begins. This week we're going to talk about The Dark Knight. Next week, we're going to talk about The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, boy. So I'm pretty excited about this, like, this month, really. It's basically a month. The month of Batman. Yo, I like that. I know. It's nice, right? Yeah. It's, it's it nice. I like Batman a lot. I meant to, I might post this on our brand new Facebook page. <gasps> Facebook.com slash so many sequels pod. Boom! But la- early last year, we went to the Toy Museum. Yes. In Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. Uh-huh. And they have an entire Batman room. That they is do. a fun so place. I might have to dig up some pictures from that and post them on that page so you can see how much uh, we enjoy Batman. And they and, and they, Kevin, his name was Kevin, Kevin Stark, yeah. Kevin Stark, the curator, he also loves Batman. And they yeah. really love Batman. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mentioned last week that I'm reading a book called Slugfest. Yeah. And it's about the rivalry of Marvel and DC. And I'm in the part where they're really getting into the revamp of Batman and, and Frank Miller getting the helm of... What's the revamp? Like the 80s? The 85 one with Frank Miller took over and made it the Dark Knight. Yeah, and the Dark Knight and Returns and all that yeah. stuff, yeah. And so they're talking about how before that, that the Batman comics was, was family-friendly and, and mm-hmm. catered towards kids, and most of the money came from the merchandising revenue, and they talked about a lot of the things in the, in this book they talked about some of the stuff that you can see at the toy museum. So they they even mentioned the Batman tortilla chips that that they have there. They mentioned Batman cereal, a whole bunch of like weird Batman memorabilia that you may not know existed, <laughs> but they have at that toy museum. So it was a really cool yeah. kind of like integration of like stuff that we're that I'm reading that we're talking about and that we've d- went and seen here in Oklahoma. I don't actually remember seeing a lot of. Um... Dark Knight trilogy stuff in in the Batman room of that museum. I think it was mostly 80s and 90s Batman toys. I saw if I'm not mistaken, yeah, mostly. Yeah, I saw a lot of the 80s and 90s. I also saw some of the animated series. Yeah, I do remember the Batman cereal. That was pretty cool. I was, I, I remember the tortilla chips. Yeah, I remember yeah, the there, tortilla there, there chips. Was, there was yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was like a bag, was of, a bag of tortilla chips, but it was there. Well, most of his collection is from the eighties and nineties. Yeah, so they don't have. He may, he probably has some, but most of it is from the eighties and nineties. Is what he collects. Speaking of Batman and stuff, did, this is somewhat relevant. Did you all see the uh, the details about the DC streaming service that came out today? Nope. Yeah. Did you did you know they were? I did not starting know. one. No. So DC uh, is starting their own streaming service. That I believe is going to launch later this year is what they said. Yeah, a formal launch this fall is going to open for beta testing in August. And they're going to have like all the like the Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series. I believe I saw on there that this, this Dark Knight trilogy will be available on yeah. it. They're going to do original shows um, that don't... There's uh, Titans is going to be a show, which is a property I'm aware of. Okay. It involves Robin. I don't know a lot about it. Titans or Teen Titans? I think it's a live-action Teen Titans, but Titans. I don't know. Part of this is me just talking. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I know it's got Robin, and it's it's got uh, the uh, the CW guy involved who does all their DC shows. Hmm. So it's gonna that's later this year. That's kind of cool. Okay, that is neat. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's cool. I'm excited to to hear more about that. I'm I'm intrigued by the the Titans show. I might have to sign up for a month just to binge it and and see what's up with that. Right. Anyway, let's get into this week's proper topic: The Dark Knight. What is this movie? The you I, you may not have heard of it. It's a small movie. <laughs> it came out in uh, 2008, starring Christian Bale. Uh, Go- uh, Gordon. What? I was trying to say Jeff Gary, Go- Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon. <laughs> I was trying to say Gary Oldman, and then it came out Gordon because he plays 
Lieutenant slash Commissioner Gordon. And uh, we actually see Maggie Gyllenhaal yep. as Rachel Dawes this time instead of Katie Holmes. Um, and then uh, Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. And of course, Heath Ledger, who I'm sure will be a portion of this conversation is going to be dedicated to. Very extremely good movie. I don't even know where to start because it's so good that like uh, we I, it's hard to even go through our typical uh, conversation structure. So in this movie, again, the sequel to Batman Begins where we kind of got the story of Batman really set up and now we get to see him in action. The Joker has come into play this time. Mm-hmm. Who did y'all... Did, did everyone catch the, the, the Joker card at the end of Batman Begins? Yeah. 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 yeah, I remember being real excited when that happened. Well, even on the description, it said J. Kerr. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just to add a little bit more to that. I right. That's that gets you kind of wound up for the next one. Yes. So it, and it really, where it leaves off, where it leaves off, you. I feel like Christopher Nolan really had to up the ante with this. And... What I mean by that is that you can't just do you can't just do like your typical Batman movie, like, and this really isn't your typical Batman movie. I mean, yeah, we have Batman the superhero, we have we know what he's capable of, but here, if there's one thing I can say about this movie is that uh, the first film was a character build. Here, it isn't. It's not really so much of so much of a character build as the last one because mm-hmm. the last one went back in time and it went back and crisscrossed here we don't do that sure it's just a pure movie it, yeah i mean like i said this really sets up or the batman begins set up who batman is and then we get to really jump into the action in the dark knight uh because there's not really a lot of characters to introduce nope. in this one you introduce the joker and you introduce um harvey dent who becomes two-faced we get some character out of harvey but the Joker is such an enigma, yep. not not a Riddler pun, but a, a mystery that he doesn't have much of a known backstory. No. So it's hard to build his character, but that's what makes his character so good. Yep. And Heath Ledger's performance was amazing. It was. What are some things that we liked about this movie? Um, I, do your best. <laughs> Besides everything. I just like the way it opened. Like, oh, it's such a good, oh, it's a heist. You don't really know what's going on. You have these people in clown masks. So, and you, by inference and, and trailers leading up to the movie and whatnot, you know the Joker's involved. So you know that these people in clown masks are involved, but you don't really know what's going on. They haven't given you the details. They're robbing a bank. Um, it slowly explains that it's a mob bank. Mm-hmm. Each person is getting killed as they accomplish a task. Right. And they kind of, you know, talk about the Joker is who hired them and 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 slowly builds and slowly builds until the last person standing is Heath Ledger and the Joker. Right. And you, and that's and such a beautiful know. reveal because yes. you really don't such know. such a reveal. In hindsight, you can see some hints, but the first time watching, yeah. You, yeah. you have no clue that it's him. Absolutely yeah. not. And so just the continual build. And it really shows right off the bat how freaking smart he is as a villain because he was able to organize this heist, keep secret that each person was supposed to kill the other person, get himself involved, mm-hmm. and know, like, at the end, whenever the guy who is, like, I bet the boss told you to kill me, he was like, no, I'm supposed to kill the bus driver. And he's like, what bus driver? And then all of a sudden, this dude just backs up right through, kills that guy, they load up the money. He shoots the guy, mm-hmm. forms into the the line of school buses, and fades away into the night. Like it's just so planned to a T. It is. I really like how most of the dialogue of that scene is the henchmen talking about the Joker when they don't know who he is, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just it's a nice little insight into his character to have all these people working for him yeah. who don't know who he is. Yeah. It's so creepy, and he's so creepy. He's so good. And that scene is such a great opening. I have a lot of memories about this movie from when it first came out that I'll probably... It'll come to my mind as we go through. But I I remember they showed the first... This scene, which is like the first six minutes or something like that, um, in front of I Am Legend when that came out. Y'all remember that? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I remember seeing it, those first six minutes in front of that movie and being totally down after that yeah 
Uh, that was really cool. I Am Legend was less cool. I think it was that... the best part of the movie <laughs> was the Dark Knight scene. But, uh, no, I, I, those first five minutes in the movie, I think, just really just set the tone mm-hmm. for, for everything that's about to happen. And if... Uh, I don't know... I don't know what... I, I have a hard time with this. Like, what I like the most about this movie. Yeah. It's tough. It's, it's easy to say that it's Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger just... Heath Ledger does an amazing job in it. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, he does great. And he's very underrated in this movie. And he's... His his turn as, as Two-Face... His turn as Two-Face is nothing short of brilliant. It blows... It blows um, Tommy Lee Jones's, I know. Yeah. It blows Tommy Lee Jones's performance in Batman Forever clean out of the water. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's how you build, that's how a properly built character should be. And mm-hmm. that happened here. Mm-hmm. And just everything about how, everything about how, like, even down to the chase scene in the tunnel, I think is just flat out amazing because there's so many twists and turns in this movie that by the time you get to about the second hour you're exhausted because you don't know what the hell is going to happen next so that's what i love about it yeah i love so much about this movie uh i'll echo a sentiment that has been said since this movie came out my favorite aspect of it is that it's not a generic super movie a superhero movie it is a super movie uh, it's not a generic superhero movie. Uh, Chris Nolan made a crime drama that takes place in a superhero world. Mm-hmm. And that's what sets it apart from so many other movies, mm-hmm. especially from the other Batman movies. Is It is a gritty crime drama with a superhero involved. And that is my favorite part about The Dark Knight. Well, that's really what Batman is. I mean, he is... It is. A, just no one a, did it. He's a crime fighter. He's yeah. not really, like, a superhero because he's just... All right. He's just a dude. Like he is. A Better watch it. But like, I'm not mean that. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it in like he's not got all of these powers and and all of these other things. He's just a rich guy who's out there fighting crime. He's a vigilante. He's he doesn't. I mean, even Tony Stark is he's supernatural a- in in his own way of having the suit and doing all this stuff. But Batman is just a guy, and I think that they do a good job of like differentiating between his ability to do it and the fake Batmans and that um, car garage scene where they have the imposter Batmans and they're also trying to be these vigilante crime fighters but they don't have that same ability because he has the resources he has all of these things and he can do it and he's like what we want to help and he's like I don't need help what gives you the right to do it I'm not wearing hockey pants and and that's such a solid line because even though he is just a dude, he has the ability to become super, I guess. Mm-hmm. But in the end, he's still just a man. Yeah, he's... This Batman is very realistic, I think. Yeah. You see it and you can see that happening. Mm-hmm. Even though it, it it's, it's a little extreme, it's not something that couldn't that couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. And on, on that note, uh, I thought this movie was very funny. It's surprisingly funny. It's surprisingly it's funny. It's much funnier than Batman Begins. Those That hockey pants line is great. There's yeah. a few others in there that are funny. The Heath Ledger has a lot of funny moments. He has a lot of funny moments. I will say this. Oh, some of that humor is kind of dark. Of course it yeah, is, yes. No. It has to be. It has to be very dark for this. And well, every scene that you laugh at with Heath Ledger is, is extremely dark. Oh, like, yeah. His humor doesn't involve lighthearted things. No. But, you know, just... Whenever the building blows up and he turns around, he's just like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, he has to like smack that, the button a few more times. That was very funny. Yes. Yeah, but, it's a uh, funny movie. That, yeah, that's that's a very funny moment. Um, but the the magic trick, the magic trick scene. Oh, where, yeah. Terrifying. Like, it was terrifying, but it was kind of funny at the same time because he, I mean, it's he did the magic trick. Right. You know, bah, it's gone. You know? Right. But... Well, and in that same it's scene, unexpected too. it's a very unexpected. After in that same scene, I I wrote down because I thought it was really funny where he came out and you know he exposed Lau and talked about all of this stuff about him being a squealer and, and things like that, and he was threatening to take their money. And the the guy goes, uh, 
you think you can steal from us and just walk away? And he goes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just... Like, that's funny. Yeah, very very dryly, just, yeah. Yeah, he's very dry. He's very funny. <laughs> um, he's just all around really, really good at that. Um, yeah. What are the what are your favorite scenes? I think you already said, Andrew, that your favorite scene was the chase. Or am I crazy? One of my favorite scenes is the chase. Um, I have the first five minutes. The first five minutes, yeah, are just everything. Um, there's two other scenes that I really, really that I really love, and that's when the Joker and Harvey Dent are in the hospital. Yes, I love that. That scene. has like that's an iconic Joker monologue. Too. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's like one of the best scenes in the entire movie because that's where that's where Two-Face really becomes Two-Face. And the other the other scene that I, that I love besides the chase scene is after Joker escapes, he's hanging his head out the cop car. Yeah. I love that scene. It's only like it's only like six, seven seconds, but I love it. I just I love everything about it. It just says everything about the Joker. Garrett? Uh, mine was the chase scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it just shows the brilliance of Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that whole scene where he gets cat from the from the time where he gets captured to the point where he escapes, or no, I'm, I'm got, I've got myself out of order. So the chase scene all the way through where he escapes is just brilliant. Mm-hmm. That whole part is just amazing because you think that. Jim Gordon is dead. You think that they have all of this stuff and that they have it planned out and then that was a big shock when Jim Gordon died. Yes. Because I was like, holy crap, he is the crux of like this movie is tearing things apart. They go tell his wife and his kids that he died and they do all this stuff and you think that it's going one way and then all of a sudden they have their um, Harvey Dent throws a curveball in there and decides to be like, I'm Batman even though Bruce Wayne was going to give himself up. Threw that curveball in there. They're transporting Dent to central holding. The Joker gets all this stuff done, or has this stuff planned out, where they're going to get him and and transfer and and cause a ruckus. And then, all of a sudden, boom, Jim Gordon shows up. They take him in, and it's like, yeah, they got him. And you think that you know what's happening, and then all of a sudden... Joker flips it on its head and has that guy with the phone on his insides. He blows him up. He takes advantage of the cop that's supposed to be watching him. He has Dent and Rachel in their opposite places. The whole thing, he somehow knew what was going to happen. And it's just so brilliant and topsy-turvy. And you think it's going one way, and then boom, they throw it the other way. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, my favorite scene is an aspect of that sequence. Um, I really love the interrogation scene between Batman and the Joker. Um, the Joker pushes Batman to his absolute limit. Yeah. Uh, just when you think he he's going to get the better of Batman, because he Batman runs back and he locks or he jams the door with the chair so the cops can't get in, and he is just beating the crap out of the Joker, and you think he's going to break break his, his his promise to himself in this moment. And the Joker, air quote, gives in and gives the locations of Harvey and Rachel up. And you think, yeah, Batman did it. And then as the sequence continues, you find out that it was all part of the Joker's plan anyway. And he gave them a reversi so that Batman ended up saving Harvey instead of Rachel. It's just a great, so well written and well filmed. And that's a, we were talking off mic before the show about the soundtrack and how great it is and. That it's moment, so that interrogation scene has one of those moments where you get that um, long, chaotic drone that you get during uh, intense scenes in this movie. And I think that's um, just a iconic piece of this movie. Hans Zimmer and Christopher Nolan have worked together mm-hmm. multiple times before. After The Dark Knight, they, do, um, they did Inception together, mm-hmm. which Inception is known for its because it's no it's like people joke about it but it's very effective in that movie and i think this i think the dark knight has the same element with those chaotic intense loud extended drones that happen during intense parts well and and to, to add a little bit more to that if you notice in like 
almost all of his movies since Batman Begins, he has that sort of motif. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he had it in he had it in Batman Begins. He had it in this movie. He had it somewhat in The Dark Knight Rises. He had it in Inception. He had it in Dunkirk. He had it in I think Interstellar. I think he did. Yeah. I think he did have something in Interstellar. I don't. I don't remember The Dark Knight Rises well enough because we haven't watched it for the for our next episode yet. But I, I just in Batman Begins, I didn't feel like it had a. Uh, I don't know. The soundtrack didn't help define it for me, mm-hmm. like the soundtrack defined this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like they, a lot of stars aligned, to to spit out a, a perfect product this time. Yeah. Because the music goes so well with with the story and and the way it was shot. In the Dark Knight Rises, we had dishy dishy basara basara dishy dishy basara basara. I don't know what you're doing. There was that chant. Was there? Oh, of course, I forgot you in chants. (laughs) (laughs) He likes the chants. I do Um, like chants. Talking about though more things we liked and things that moving on the way it was filmed. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're on the same page here. I love that the Blu-ray maintained this because we watched it on Blu-ray. I don't know how you did. I watched Andrew. it on Blu-ray too. But they maintained those those IMAX sequences. Yes. Which, if you got to see the movie in IMAX when it came out, were beautiful. Oh my God. It was the first movie to film sequences with IMAX cameras. It was the only movie to have done that at the time. And, that just and I want to say it had like less than 30 minutes of IMAX footage, but it had never been done before. That's... Less than thirty minutes is like, it's like heaven because, it, and there really is there really is a noticeable difference if you go to see it in IMAX versus versus seeing it on television or a regular theater because the difference is there. I mean, just seeing it and it's all out. I have I actually do have notes of it here. Um, it truly expands the depth of Gotham. Mm-hmm. And the overall sense, of the epicness of the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this was an epic movie, oh, and yeah. I think Christopher Nolan, I think Christopher Nolan wanted to tell it in a in a very in the largest scope possible. Yeah, and and what not? What's what's larger than IMAX right now? Nothing, especially at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they that the entire. Uh, bank robbery sequence at the beginning was filmed in IMAX and then there were like aspects of the chase were filmed in IMAX mm-hmm. that scene with the Joker hanging his head out the window was filmed in IMAX like, uh, yeah and pretty much everything everything from the ending on was filmed in IMAX yeah like yeah so you could just tell that he cared about how it looked a lot yeah and I don't think you get that a lot in, in comic book movies um I just want to give a I just want to give a shout out right now. Another shout out to Christopher Nolan. Shout out to Chris. I, I love this. I, this guy is an awesome director. I love this man as director. I think he's a great mm-hmm. director as well as a writer. And there's really no other better name to put on Batman than him. And I think he's. I think he did it justice. And I think this film was proof of it. Right. Yeah. I agree. And, uh, I was going to say a fun fact on the IMAX thing that I that I read when I was just doing some research earlier. Uh, it was funny to me that they had to like. First of all, they're giant. The cameras are so gigantic yeah, they, that yeah, they're they're, they're, they're not easy to use. No. Second, they are so freaking loud that they had to dub the the audio the mm-hmm. the dialogue after in post. And in some scenes, they had to they had to stop using the IMAX camera completely because they could not hear. Yeah. They're so loud. So that was kind of interesting. Well, I also found it interesting that during the chase scene, they accidentally destroyed one. <laughs> yeah, I remember reading that they destroyed an IMAX camera. There was like, what, like less than 10 in the whole world? There's only four. Was that at the time or now? It was at the time. Like, they only had four at the time. So they destroyed one of four IMAX cameras in the world trying to make this movie? It's a good thing it made over a billion dollars then. Yeah. That might cover <laughs> half of it. <laughs> Garrett. Do you have anything to add on yeah. the cinematography of the IMAX cameras or anything? Not a thing. Okay. <laughs> Ditto. Do you guys know Patton Oswalt's theory about the Joker? Yeah. Have you seen this? Yeah. The I've ex-military seen. stuff going yeah. around? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's good. It's yeah. cool. No, I I agree with it. Patton's a smart guy. 
I mean, he's got cool theories about a lot of things. I don't want to go in. Uh, we'll post it on the Facebook page because I don't want to like read the whole damn thing because it's long. But he <laughs> he talks about how the Joker. We again we said we don't know much about his backstory and his his character is vague and and loose and kind of kind of fit. But in this movie, he's able to adjust his personality depending on who he's talking to and the situation. Like he has, I wrote down each time that he told. A different story about how he got his scars and it was two or three different versions none of them the same obviously each more catered toward whomever he's talking to at the time and so Patton Oswalt's theory is that Heath Ledger is a war veteran suffering from PTSD he talks about a truckload of soldiers getting blown up and if you think about all of the stuff he does he does it's smart like to be able to calculate all of the things that he did, look at the chase scene, look at the the capture scene, the escape scene, all of that stuff, you have to be incredibly smart and tactical. And that's something that you could potentially learn in the military. He also talks about something about uh, interrogation and how he knows to, to play with people's minds. Look at the way that he talks to Rachel. Look at the way that he talks to Batman, to Gordon, to um, Dent to the uh, cop that's watching him in the interrogation. He knows how to push their buttons. He understands their their personality. And he knows the right thing to do at the right time. And I think it's a really interesting theory to put out there and one that I feel like could hold a lot of water. Especially since we don't know much about the joke. Right, and I was going to add that that's what makes this character so great is that because he's so mysterious... Fans like Patton and other people can come up with these backgrounds for them to satisfy, you know, their own belief about who the character should be or what it is. It's so open-ended. And I'm more of a Batman film guy. I don't really have a lot of knowledge about the comics. I've read some graphic novels, but I hardly would call myself an expert on any of it. I don't believe that there's a solid origin story for the Joker, and I believe that's on purpose. I could... Be wrong, but I don't think so. I've never heard of one. I and I was gonna yeah. say the a bat one thing that they that that the people in charge could do that would concern me would be to make a Joker origin story movie, which is what they're doing with Jared Leto now. Yeah, which is just a whole another side of disappointment. Yeah, I, I tried not to be one of those um, no. one of those fans who. Uh, hate something before it comes out because that's stupid, and we should. I think we all agree that you shouldn't do that. Uh, but seeing how disappointing Jared Leto's Joker was in Suicide Squad, and knowing that they're gonna do a standalone movie with him, makes me want to pull my hair out. Why would you do that when you can look back just ten years ago and see how perfectly Warner Brothers and DC did it? Did the Joker in this movie? Why would you ruin it already? Because we don't need the Joker, we proved does not need a, a explanation for why he's the way he is. And if I can, if I can just add a little bit to this. Nope. Okay. Nope. I already <laughs> added too much. We got to take an ad break. All right. Now what? <laughs> um, all you have to do is look back to nineteen eighty nine Batman with Jack Nicholson because he does kind of have a backstory with Batman just a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Just a little bit. but And there's some there. So there's something there. And he also reads off. I mean, there's a whole file that Bruce Wayne reads off on. Is it Jack Napier? Like, like Jack, Jack For some Nap- reason that name rings a bell. Yeah, Jack Napier is the Joker in that movie. In that movie. In that movie. Yeah, I mean, I think she, he's even referred to as Jack, right? Yeah. A couple times. And he... When we get an explanation of how he... You know, he falls into the vat yeah. of acid. Like, we see that in, in that movie. Um, but there's also... I mean, there's... Towards the end of that film, in particular, you talk about... They, they're, they're talking like they're, they're conversing dialogue with each other. And, like, the Joker all of a sudden knows Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne said, you killed my parents. And he just said, well, I was a kid whenever I killed your parents. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? Yeah. So... There's, yeah, it's really fun to compare the two. I think because it's not. Uh, I don't think it's unfair to compare them because they're so drastically different. The way Jack Nicholson approached it, 
mm-hmm. and the way Heath Ledger approached it. I think people like both of their performances pretty well for what they are. Um, a lot of people I remember, and because the internet sucks, really, really, <laughs> really was against Heath Ledger in this role. And they were like, Jack Nicholson did so good, you'll never be better than Jack Nicholson. And Heath Ledger is 10 things I hate about you. He's just a, he's not the Joker. And he ended up proving everyone extremely wrong. I And that is why I don't like to get ahead of myself and not like something before it comes out. Right. As I was saying earlier. But a lot, a lot of people were against this. I'm going to come out and say that I was one of those people. Okay, so here because, we go. Because I like old things. Like Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I mean, I do like old things, and I do like I love Jack Nicholson as a Joker mm-hmm. at the. I mean, at the time, like I thought that you know Jack Nicholson was a perfect Joker. Uh, just his role, just how he played it. I thought everything on that was good. And you hear about Heath Ledger, and I I dismissed it. I was just like, meh. Heath Ledger is just Heath Ledger, and he's probably going to do something over the top. And then you hear about every and you hear about everything that he's been doing with this, and the night that it opened up, I'm like, well, I'll give it a try. And I remember walking out of the movie theater like, I want to see this again. Like, I wish I could see it again. Like right after, like right after it premiered. But alas, I could not. So here's some of the movies that I I would say Heath Ledger was known for before The Dark Knight came out. He did several, but there were there are like a, a handful that I think were pop were like they made an impact. Uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, The Patriot, A Knight's Tale, uh, and Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, he did several others, but I think those are more defining for him. Okay. So you can look at those and see like okay, the Joker is clearly much different than than his character in all of those movies. I've never seen Ten Things I Hate About You. I'm trying real hard not to be angry right now. Same. I'm I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Okay. You've never seen 10 Things I Hate About You. That is correct. Why? It's interesting. You know, it's basically a... Uh, it's Taming, of the, it's Taming of the Shrew. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. You're going to tell me that you know that it's a, a retelling of the Taming of the Shrew, but your lazy ass ain't even seen it? Get out! <laughs> now, see? Now I'm real angry. Yeah, I know everything about it. I just can't be bothered to watch it because it came out in the 1900s. <laughs> Accurate representation. <laughs> Mill um, you. I think, going back to just the Joker in general, I think that um, <laughs> if you're going to do a Batman series, you're going to have Joker. It's a foregone conclusion that he's going to be in there. He's the main villain. And so I like the contrast. I, I think it's fine to compare them, but also you have to look at them in the context. So... Um, to me, the Jack Nicholson Joker is more of the Batman animated series. He's over the top. He's silly in a way. He's got the permanent smile on his face. It's it's more of a fantastical version of a human being. Heath Ledger's Joker is a tortured, gritty, fits into the Dark Knight world. Jared Leto's Joker, I don't know if there's an actual comic book version of the pimp gangster joker that he was with the grill and the tattoos and the awful, but there it might exist. So I think that the the struggle is that Jack Nicholson did so good with his, Heath Ledger did so good with his, that you have to change the joker in order to get away from them because both of them encompassed that version so well right. that you can't do it the same way and that's the struggle so I don't want to fault Jared Leto for no I don't think Joker. it's his fault and I think that they I just I don't like Suicide Squad in general but I think that they were trying to say okay we cannot do these two versions we have to do something different mm-hmm. and this particular Joker met meshes with what style of genre Suicide Squad is putting out. Right. And right. I, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the origin story to see if maybe that can clear it up. Because I also don't think that Jared Leto was in that movie a lot. I, I don't... I block out that movie he... some. I know he was in there a decent amount, but yeah. I feel like he didn't really get a chance to shine and kind of steal the show. If I remember right, 
he was he complained that a lot of his scenes were cut if i remember right sure so maybe there was more to it yeah and maybe this will give him a chance to let that particular joker develop into something that we can see in, in whatever route they choose to take it in the future maybe a, a potential opportunity with batfleck or whoever yeah. will be the future dc batman or whatever i don't know what they're going to do with all of that yeah but it's just so hard to take that character after two great performances mm-hmm. it of the known comic versions of the joker right i think it was going to be difficult to follow any any version of the joker after he i yeah that's yeah. that's definitely almost impossible to do because people have such a connection to him for a lot of reasons i mean we haven't even touched on the fact that Heath Ledger died before this movie came out. Mm-hmm. He died in January 2008. The movie came out in July 2008. So he he couldn't have even completed his work very soon or very far before no. he did, passed. Yeah. Um. I because I I vaguely remember one of the questions being, did he finish? Is, yeah. is the Joker's role finished in the Dark yeah. Knight? Because they were in post-production at the time surely with it being january so his death i think impacted a lot of people's desire to see the movie um especially once he started getting i'm sorry (laughs) go watch 10 things i hate about you his death I think especially once people started seeing early reaction to his performance and his was he in the trailers very little i want to say they purposely may have left him out of the trailers and there was a he wasn't really in a lot of the posters either there's one poster that i remember seeing a lot that was him that was that was the joker against like a foggy window or something he was tracing the smile and that was like the most i remember seeing of the joker in promotional material like they did him well and then of course it came out and and people really ate up his performance to the point where he he won an academy award for it so how you how you follow that i don't know um i do remember him being in the trailers because he wasn't like we watched the we watched a trailer sorry to interrupt we watched a trailer before do you remember seeing him i don't we could have, and I just uh, possibly. I just wasn't thinking about it at the time. He wasn't really there in the teaser, but he mm-hmm. was there in the. I I remember the one trailer that I saw. That's the first time I saw him as the Joker, uh-huh. and he honestly looked very terrifying. Yeah, I mean he's a scary dude. And I also remember in that trailer, there were scenes in that. Tra- I mean, not scenes, but there were shots in that trailer that were different from when we saw it in the movie. So there's. It, and I know that Christopher Nolan is kind of known for that, but like there were different like takes. I feel like because yeah. I mean there there were different. I mean I, I it's better if I just show you. But there's <laughs> but honest. But anyway, yeah, I do remember Heath Ledger being in the being in the uh, the trailers to the Dark Knight. Um, I was just looking at Heath's wikipedia page real quick i don't think i remembered that he also won the golden globe for the joker he won the golden globe he won the oscar he won the bafta and i think he won the critics choice man if that doesn't tell you like i think a lot of people had the had the mindset of they nominated him because he died and all that but the fact that he picked up that many posthumous awards like should show that it truly was a uh reflection of his work in that movie Uh Watch, after when we watched it last night, I kept thinking the whole time, this movie absolutely should have been nominated for Best Picture. I agree totally. It absolutely should have been nominated. I just, I still can't figure that one out. I'm sure it had to do with the, but it's a comic book. But it should have been. And then the next year they come out with... Up to ten nominees. Up to ten nominees. And they included some blockbusters in there, but nothing yeah. as good as and The Dark Knight. included movies that we still don't know about. Yeah. We haven't really actually talked about Batman much in this movie because 
What's there to there, say? Well, that, so I think the most one of the most interesting and under recognized aspects of this story is the relationship between Batman and Harvey Dent. Because okay. Batman is the symbol of hope in the first one. Yep. Like he comes out, he rescues all these people, people see him as a hero, and he's doing all these things. But in this movie, the whole purpose of Batman was to inspire people to do good. Yeah. And so that throughout the whole thing, Batman slash Bruce Wayne are wanting and needing Harvey Dent. They call him the White Knight or the White Light of Gotham or the White Knight of Gotham. White one Knight of, of two. Gotham, yeah. And the whole purpose is, is that he, Dent, is the hero that people need because he is a regular guy going after the criminals unmasked legally not breaking the laws, not doing whatever, whatever. Yeah. And so that relationship between those two is really important. And I, I wrote down a line that I think is you and I, or we were talking about like themes off mic earlier. And the line that Dent says of you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Batman doesn't want to do this the rest of his life. He's looking for someone to take up the helm or whatever it is. I think that's a really important part of this movie is because at the end of the movie, Batman becomes the villain yeah. in order to make Dent basically a martyr. He he died it, it, after he had put all these criminals away, even though the Joker succeeded in manipulating him and bringing him down and, and, and tearing him apart. Batman became what the city needed in the villain, so... Dent could still be the hero. Yeah. And I think that's a really important relationship between those two that is overshadowed because of how good Heath Ledger is. Yeah. And it's not really something that's talked about much. Yeah, what are some of the themes? I You mentioned earlier that it was kind of hard to identify them. Yeah, okay. So, I've got three here. I've got three here that I noticed that I noticed uh, was kind of prevalent towards that towards the throughout the movie I can't talk chaos okay chaos is all throughout this movie and that was the theme that was one of the themes that uh, Christopher Nolan was thinking about whenever he was writing it from what I read in an interview um, also integrity I think there's a lot of integrity like there's a lot of integrity floating around about who's who's stronger in in morals because we see Harvey Dent as that hope that Gotham needs and the hope that Batman was looking for. And we see a lot, and there's also a question of integrity with some of the cops. I mean, who is it? Ramirez. And what's, who's the other cop? I don't remember their names, but, but there's a whole aspect of, of uh, crooked cops in the yeah. movie. And one of the things I want to say here is identities. I came across identities as like, Harvey's revelation is Two-Face and how that kind of prevails throughout as the movie progresses because you know Harvey Dent I wasn't when I first watched this movie I wasn't looking for Two-Face but I do I did know who Harvey Dent was and as as the show was progressing as we didn't I did not hear the first thing about Two-Face until he was in the hospital after his face had been burned off mm-hmm. um Covering up the crimes that Harvey did, they want to they want to cover up they want to cover up Harvey Dent's actions in order to preserve his identity and his and his dignity. I think and is more dignity. is more of it because what's so sad about Harvey is how he is for the majority of this movie this figure of um, purity, like like we said earlier, the, the White Knight of Gotham, this guy who is going to come in and clean up the city. Clean up uh, the crime. Clean up the corruption. He, uh, how many, how many people did they drag into that courtroom to arrest hundreds, him one time? Hundreds, like yeah, five hundred forty-two. He was going to be this person who stopped everything, and then it's just so sad to watch him completely fall apart after the death of Rachel and how yeah. his face is burned, and he becomes the person that he tried to stop. Mm-hmm. And so you really get to see the goodness of of. 
Commissioner Gordon and Batman when they make that call to not ruin his uh, how people in the public see him. Mm-hmm. There, he was already gone. There was no sense in destroying his reputation with them. Yeah, and that was that was cool. That was cool. And uh, really, who is Joker's identity? We don't know, and we will probably never know. And to be honest with you, I hope we never know because I think it's just that mystery of not knowing who the Joker is. It's not knowing who the Joker is that gives the Joker more depth. Yeah, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, in Batman's appointment of Harvey Dent as savior, I mean, that's an identity right there. One thing that we haven't talked about yet, and I'm su- it's still a couple weeks out, I suppose, but I'm surprised we haven't heard much about uh, fanfare about this being the 10-year anniversary of this movie. I feel like that should be a big deal. Yeah, I, I was just thinking of that before we started. Like, I'm like, this is 10 years whenever it premiered. Where's the 10-year anniversary box set? Why is it, I'm serious? I'm dead serious. Why isn't it being re-released in theaters? I think it absolutely should be re-released. I think re-released. it should too. Ten year anniversary is the perfect time. They drag out old movies all the time and put them back in the theaters. Just last night put, I watched West Side Story. Exactly. Put the Dark Knight back in IMAX theaters for one weekend for yes. the ten year anniversary and watch the money roll in. You're welcome. Do you think I'd go? It has to do with the current. With the current, because DC's trying to make this whole universe, they're failing, but they're trying. And if they put this movie back in the in the front of things, they'll realize how good it is and be like, <laughs> we have not been able to succeed in what we're currently trying to do. So while it has its success and it is the powerful one and the best one, that they don't want to draw attention to how much they have failed with what they're trying to do i don't think they need to try hard to do that like uh, people already are well aware yeah especially fans of of the batman franchise like i think it could it would only make fans happy it would only please fans to to make a big deal of the 10 year and i will also say that if anything this might help dc yeah because you know uh, releasing a movie that's 10 years old but it just so happens to be their best movie you know, just might help them out just a little bit, just to like kind of focus on what they need to do. Right. Um, another another hundred million dollars in it, and it climbs a spot on the all-time grossing list. So it, needs it would to. make it if they brought it out. I feel like it. Eh, it would be close. If it was only just one weekend, probably not. I would go see it if they brought it back for like two weeks. Fair enough. Yeah, but I I feel like. I feel like this movie is due for a re-release, and who knows? They could just drop it. I like the Beyonce. This movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm trying to figure out. I know they're playing the Sandlot at the end of this month. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Well, that's a, like the 25th anniversary. Yeah, movie. that's true. It is. It is. They see if they can re-release that. Why can't they re-release re-release Batman? They're re- they're waiting for 20 years. They're doing what they did to Star Wars. Yeah, at one point, at one point in time, The Dark Knight was the second highest-grossing movie of all time. Just to show how crazy the box office has been, it is now the ninth highest-grossing of all time. Yeah, wow. That many movies have surpassed it in ten years. That's crazy. It is. They're almost all Marvel movies. <laughs> uh, or no, let me rephrase that. They're almost all Disney movies. Uh, the Force Awakens, uh, Black Panther. Infinity War and the Avengers and the Last Jedi are just the Disney ones. Thanks. The other one is Jurassic World and Avatar. You just pointed out one that's under it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was uh, for Every some reason. Time. For some reason, I thought you were. I thought you were saying like top ten. Oh no no no! I think you thought the same thing last time too, and I said no, just above it. Okay. Let's talk more about the, the box office <laughs> run of this movie while we're on that topic. So The Dark Knight came out July 18th, 2008. The Dark Knight opened to $158 million. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, that number one. Uh-huh. It was right behind the debut of Mamma Mia, <laughs> whose sequel comes out this year, 10 years in the making. Mamma Mia made $27,000. 27 million. I was 27 say, million. A lot more than 27. 27 million. Number three, 
was what I thought to be the very disappointing Hancock, starring Will Smith, which is a great half a movie. <laughs> Journey to the Center of the Earth at number four. Wolf. I know, right? It was Brendan Fraser, though, when he was trying to do one of his mini comebacks. Yeah. I think. Hellboy 2 at number five. Eh. Number six is My Heart and Soul, Pixar's Wally. Wally. <laughs> I remember this one. Number seven is Space Chimps. Y'all remember Space Chimps? No. Yeah, I remember Space Chimps. I remember Space Chimps, sadly. I I worked in a movie theater in 2008, so I remember all of these movies. I, 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 yeah, I'm having like summer movie theater flashbacks. Number eight was Wanted with ja, Jolie. So Anthony. angry that Space Chimps, at any point, I don't care if Wanted had been out for a year, <laughs> the fact that Space Chimps made more money at any point in time than Wanted is Wanted. a travesty amongst... <laughs> The world. Wanted was in its fourth week. I don't care. And Space Chimps <laughs> debuted. I don't care. If it makes you feel better, Space Chimps made a grand total in the U.S. of $30 million. Ugh. Wanted Whatever. did a lot better at 134 Uh And then to round it out, number nine was... Get, Get smart. smart with Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway. And number 10 was Kung Fu Panda, the first one. Oh, gosh. Remember that? Remember number 11 was Meet, Meet Dave. Dave. Oh, remember that where Eddie Murphy was like uh, in his own head? Oh, it was Eddie. weird. Eddie, it was weird. Eddie. 2008 was a crazy year. Uh, the birth of the birth of the modern superhero movement between yeah. the Dark Knight and, and Iron Man. Yeah, this... I mean, Batman Begins really started it all, but like this one took it to a whole different level yeah, right. of superhero movies and the genre really just basically being as important as it is for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about it last episode of the blockbuster movie, and most of them in some way, shape, or form are superhero movies over the last 10 years. When you think of blockbuster, you think of superhero movies. They consistently days, yeah. made a ton of money. They usually have, like, you're able to get, like, the hardcore superhero fans. The regular fans will go and see them. It's just a, a, a good genre to bring people out, make a lot of money for the studios, and go amongst their, their life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Are there any other... Um... Final thoughts we want to add on this before we move on to our review portions? I had a couple of things. Okay. I, I really... We talked about a, a little bit of the humor. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite scenes was when the accountant for Wayne Enterprises mm-hmm. tried to blackmail <laughs> Bruce Wayne slash Batman because he figured it out. He looked at the numbers, realized that Lucius was doing crazy stuff with the... Um, applied sciences department and had changed it to something else and he was like presented all this stuff to Lucius and was like I want X amount of money blah 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 and Lucius just leans in and goes you think your client one of the most powerful and wealthy men in the world is a crime fighting vigilante who beats up criminals and your plan is to blackmail him good Good luck luck. (laughs) And the guy's like, yeah. "Oh, Lucius handled that so well." Yeah, because it like it hits you with at, at two angles. One, let me present to you why what you're saying is absolutely crazy. Two, if you still believe it, you're gonna get hurt. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> you're either crazy or stupid. One of the yeah. two. Um. Well, and then we found out he was stupid because he went. He, he was went. gonna go on TV and do it, and then yeah. the Joker. Uh, ruined that moment. Why do you think the Joker did that, by the way? Be- ah, I wanted to revisit that because it goes back to your chaos theory that you have. Um, the Joker didn't need to do that to preserve Batman's identity, but he did it anyway. He did it because he didn't want any kind of opportunity for people to think it may have been true, uh-huh. um, whoever it was. And it go- I wanted to talk about the-, the end of the movie where they have, like, the whole crux in the buildup of this movie is that the Joker thinks people 
are bad and can be bad when push comes to shove. That they will do what's best for themselves and not give a crap about anybody else. And so he, I don't, re- I, I made a note that I don't remember why the prisoners were on one boat and the other people were on another boat. I don't remember why you would put the prisoners on the boat. I feel like, no offense to prisoners, but I feel like they would not be some of the first people that they put on a boat to get to safety. Mm-hmm. Um, but for whatever reason, they were on a boat and he had this whole, the Joker had the whole plan of like, the people, the prisoners had the, the detonator to the other boat and the civilians had the detonator to the other boat and he was like they're going to blow each other up because that's what people do chaos and that's what he wanted and they blew his theory out of the water no pun intended um and it he was like surprised by all of this and that was the crux of the movie uh, batman was batmany about it you see the big guy on the prisoner ship throw the detonator out the window and I don't think most people expected that you saw the civilian who was like big bad and like I'll do it I don't mind getting my hands dirty and then he came to his senses and put it away and so I think that the Joker didn't want the Batman's identity revealed because he wanted the chaos and didn't want any kind of potential of him not being there because we've already talked about how smart the Joker was so, like, the Joker knew that he was going to have this thing come to head with with Batman, and if people had any idea that it was Bruce Wayne or whomever, maybe that wouldn't have happened. So here's a fun thought. Because for, for as chaotic as the Joker is, he's very calculated. Uh, we see just how intricate his plans are multiple times in this movie. Do we think the Joker happened to see that meant coleman was it coleman is that his name yeah you can coleman reese coleman reese do we think he just happened to see him on tv and made the phone call or do we think he somehow gave him the information that he's batman expecting him to go try to go public i don't know i don't know that i necessarily believe that but it's a fun thought to me if he really is that calculated did he set it up just so he could publicly stop it sure i don't know I don't know either, and that's why I love the Joker. Yeah. You just don't know, but it seems plausible. It's just crazy enough to work. And I also wanted to continue our conversation on the Bat Voice. Last episode, no. I talked about how people make fun of the Christian Bale Batman voice, and in this one, you got a little more. There was, especially at the end, with him and the Joker. I know that that was an intense scene, and one of the notes that I made doesn't I put an asterisk by it because there's the scene where they're fighting in the window and the Joker has like the the window pane or whatever across Batman's throat and he's being Batman-y voiced. It's an intense thing. It was very deep and grovelly and you kind of got it there. Um, but there was a scene a little bit after that where the Joker is hanging and they're having a conversation. And I 100% could not understand one of the lines of dialogue that Batman said. Because it was so much like this. And I could not understand it. I had to turn the subtitles on. Yeah. What's wrong with both of you? I just... (laughs) It was just one... It was that one particular scene. It was a little more gravelly. and And in this one, I can see how people would make fun of it. Because that's what people do. But that one scene... At the end, I legitimately could not understand what he said at all. Um, there was also... I noticed that whenever he... When Batman was staring at Two-Face, whenever he was talking to him, it sounded to me like as if his, as if he was getting a little exhausted. Like, like he was exhausted speaking it. He probably was. I mean, that's realistic. Like, yeah. Bruce Wayne in the movie and Christian Bale as an actor aren't doing anything special to mask their voice so they have to just physically alter it yeah. and that would be tiring as an actor and tiring as as Batman mm-hmm. so it makes sense that we would see exhaustion and it would make sense why throughout the movie maybe at one point it's deeper than another time or louder than another time like it's a it's a um, I lost the word it's a thing I lost the word yeah, I don't know what I was going to say yeah. It's really bothering me that I can't think of the word still. Whatever. Stress. 
bitch. Organic. Ah. It's fluid and organic. Yeah. So his voice changes as the movie progresses for various reasons. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have, again, I don't have a problem with it. I just, it, that's definitely one of the things that, that people do is they have the Batman voice, they make fun of it, they paradise it. Is that a word? Parody yeah, it? Yeah, I think parody. they parody it. I mean, it's just like, it's a defining aspect of this Batman, and I understand that. And like we said last time, people absolutely feel the need to make fun of everything. Um, the other Batmans, Batman, didn't do voice change prior to that. Michael Keaton talked like Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer talked like Val Kilmer, and George Clooney talked like George Clooney. And you can even throw in Adam West if you want to. He didn't make a different voice in the 60s show either. Of course, George Clooney just didn't give a fuck. Hey, (laughs) George Clooney, I'm sure, collected his paycheck with no regrets. He probably collected his paycheck with no regrets, but that was a choice that he probably should have regretted. I hope one day we get to those movies. They're on the list. I, I, I know. I, I just hope, hope we, we get to them. I hope we do too because I would love to talk about that. I think they're going to be fun. They will be fun. Um, let's guess the score, I guess. Yeah. Andrew, you want to go first this time? I'm going to do... I always go first. What? I said I always go first. I don't want to this time. Alright. Um, I'm going to go with 93. Now I get to go? If you want to. Okay, I don't care. Um, I was going to go 95. Oh, man. I want to split the difference in and go 94. Just for fun. Do what you want to do. I actually think it's 96, but I'm going to go with 94. According to the Rotten Tomometer, The Dark Knight, released in 2008, has a 94! I'm glad I went with 94. <laughs> 94% for the uh, critic score... Also, a 94% for the audience score. Simpatico, as they say. They were both 94? Yep. That's wild. I wonder when the next time we're going to hit a movie where at least one of us picks drastically different. I don't know. Because the past few, we've been within just one or two of each other's guesses. Yeah, Yeah, pretty good. And it is making it slightly less fun, but not completely less. We have been pretty good at that. Yeah, we've gotten better at it. Uh, I agree with 94%. Yeah. I can't complain about it i feel like it could easily be a couple points higher but i haven't really re- dug into the negative reviews to see what people's issue with it was i would say i think people i think maybe what people would have issue with it is that it's too long i mean it's a long man movie, it is but, but it doesn't feel like it, no, it really, i didn't think so anyway I, it really it, like i didn't even know it was two and a half hours until i got out no. and was like oh man it's there, almost 10 o'clock there were points of batman begins where i felt like okay Let's get this going. But I didn't feel that in this one. No. It's pretty, it's pretty, the pacing is pretty good. Uh, Ryan Gilby with New State, New Statesman said, the little headline caption says, too much psychology and not enough pop. It's possible to be too serious, you know? That's the only negative one that I see in this quick, uh, little run through. Uh, this is an impressive film in many ways. Nolan directs with real guy. Okay, that's, there's no negative there, but it's just rotten. Whatever. I'm not going to read them all. That's the that's only negative one that I see right off the bat. Um, how many batterings do we give this movie out of five? Six. Six. I like that. I give it a six out of five. Five. I'm going to go with the actual scores. The way that we do things for real. So when do we do anything for real? This is realistic, Batman. This movie is so good that five out of five isn't good enough. Uh, we did immediately finish watching the movie. Well, finish after finishing the movie. I immediately said this is the best movie that we've done. Yes, I will agree. Bar none, it's the best movie we've done so far in twenty-two episodes of this show. What yeah. about The Empire Strikes Back? <sighs> That's why you gotta, why you gotta bring that back. Um, this is better. I like it more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the it's think, not been around as long, and it doesn't have the longevity but this is a better i have more of a personal connection to dark knight i think a lot of people have personal connections to empire and that's what rises it higher in their minds i think empire is still one of the greatest star wars movies i won't question Mm -hmm. that but i think i do like the dark knight more do you oh hell yeah okay do you do you think it's the best movie we've done i would agree yeah okay cool cool I'm, I'm curious to see if this is going to end up being our longest episode yet. 
because it's certainly longer than grown-ups too. <laughs> um, I think that wraps it up for this week. Find us online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod and Instagram search for so many sequels pod there. Uh, on Facebook, we'll post, we'll try to post some of the, some of the references that we talked about in today's episode. You can also find a trailer for Batman Begins on there that we posted. I'll probably do the Dark Knight one. There's a fun, uh, I believe in Harvey Dent thing that we put up yesterday. That was fun. I said it was fun twice and three times. It was super fun. It was super fun. So please go like that page. Um, I think it'll help us uh, communicate with people better. Yeah, let's have some conversations. Please. We want to hear what you have to say. Yes, get on there. We'll post the link to this. I say that like they didn't get it from there. We'll post the link to this episode on our Facebook page. Get in the comments on there and let us know if you agree with us or what you don't agree with us on. Tell us what you're excited about for next week when we talk about The Dark Knight Rises, which is going to be more of a Batman Begins conversation, I think, than a, than a Dark Knight one. I'm watching Andrew scratch his chin in, in deep thought on it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. It's a fine movie, it's, but it's not The I'm, Dark Knight. Uh, it's fine. There'll, there'll be discussion. There'll be blood. So you can find us there. Um, and be sure to leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. We And we like to see it. We like to see those those numbers and those reviews. So go check that out. We're available on SoundCloud and, I, SoundCloud and iTunes. Apple Podcasts. How, whichever you call it. So find us there. In the meantime, we'll be back next week with The Dark Knight Rises. And then, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and get ahead of ourselves. I think after that... We're going to have a bonus episode about Ocean's 8 because we've all seen it. Yeah. We've already covered the Ocean's trilogy. So we're going to do a bonus episode about Ocean's 8 and then who knows what happens after that. The generator will decide. Well, hot damn. Until then. Anybody want to see a magic trick? <laughs>